Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Fletcher is about to come on. This dude, this dude has the sauce. He has the sauce for your business, so you definitely want to be sticking around. I love, I love this guy's marketing and his branding. It is just super freaking powerful. And I think what a lot of people are hungry for right now, especially if you want to grow your business, grow your income, income, and get to your next level of impact, stick around. Before that, I just want to say thank you for choosing to be and become your greatest possible self, for being with us here, for thriving and stepping into greatness together. Thank you so much. Next up is going to be our iTunes review of the week, and this week it's by Jenny Bell. Jenny Bell says so much value. Chris obviously pours his heart and soul into the podcast and marathon. He brings out the best in his guests, sharing their gifts with the world. Absolutely, Jenny Bell, I 100% do. And if you want a chance to get shouted out on a future 12-hour live stream, go to beergps.com forward slash iTunes or search greatest possible self on the Apple Podcast Store. Leave us a review. Let us know what you love, what you want to see more of, and how we can improve the show for you. Thank you in advance for doing that. I'm going to introduce Richard in just a sec. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, be ready to take notes, because if you want to transform your business, this interview is the one to listen to. Richard Fletcher is an upbeat, down-to-earth coach who helps people make more money without spending a lot of money. When Richard claims to make his clients richer, he isn't joking or talking about small sums here and there. It's not unusual for Richard's clients to make between 10 and 20K in a couple of weeks by implementing Richard's tailored plans and advice. However, Richard's favorite success story is the wedding photographer that was able to get their prices from 1,500 pounds, I believe that's pounds, might be euros, pounds, I think, pounds to, <laughs> I need to remember my symbology, 1,500 to 15, it was dollars, okay. <laughs> so $1,500 to $15,000 within one day. 10Xing those prices, yes, please. And get clients happy to pay a premium for their services. Richard, dude, are you ready? Are you ready to tear, tear it up, bro? Are you ready? Tear it up. I'm worried about you. You're on a marathon. You're not too tired, right? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about your well-being, not mine. I'm only here for an hour. You're here all day. Dude, as long as we're having fun, I can go forever, man. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't promise to bring any fun either, but we'll see. I'll try my best. We are aligned. <laughs> so, Richard, the theme today is create your breakthrough, and you know a lot about that. What does that mean for you, man? Uh, well, as in terms of how I help people create breakthroughs themselves or how I got my own breakthrough? Either way, whatever create your breakthrough means for you, whatever comes to mind. Um, do you know, the main thing for me, I mean, obviously you mentioned the magic source, which is you know, literally what the company's called, magic source marketing. But it's uh, the magic source is all about, I think these days, uh, people are tempted to kind of, kind of chase a quick fix. Mm. Um I mean, maybe not just these days. It's like a human trait, isn't right. it? If we can find a shortcut, we'll go for it, right? Yep. Um, and that means people are always tempted to go, okay, what's, what are other people doing? I'll copy that. If you've heard of yep. funnel hacking, it's like yep. copy someone else and change it to your own thing. Yep. Uh, the magic source is all about 
not copying what other people are doing and going, well, that seems to be working, so I'll just copy and paste it. It's like, find out, well, what's unique about you in the marketplace? You know, let's say you're a fitness coach or a business coach or a sex coach or who cares what kind of yeah. coach or yeah. even if you sell Amazon products, how do you do that in a way that's different and better to all of the 10 billion other people who are also selling fitness coaching. So instead of looking on your Facebook feed and going, okay, what are other fitness coaches saying? Oh, that's a good post. I'll rephrase that in my own way. You come to the table with your own ideas, your own opinions, your own thoughts about how it should be done and your own method of getting results. And now you've got something unique about you as opposed to just being someone else's watered down carbon copy. And it took me a very long time to learn that in my own business. I mean, I'm happy to tell you my story about how I got through that. It's quite a long one. But yeah, let's, we, let's, go, now, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go, man. Well, I mean, I, I started my online journey in 2003 when I joined Herbalife or Herbalife, as you're saying in the US. I think you, you've all heard about it, haven't you? Herbalife. Uh, I that was a bad start because I like invested in like three grand's worth of stock because my upline distributor was like, "Hey, you need to invest if you're a serious business person." Yep. You need to invest in the super duper diamond action plan that gets you 50% commission instead of 40%. And then I, that stock sat in my parents' garage for the next two years before mm. I finally took it to a tip because I didn't sell any. And then I had numerous failures after that in all kinds of stuff for the next what, nine or 10 years until I became a dating coach. And mm. um, while I was a dating coach, I went through four different rebrands before I finally found um, a brand that actually worked that attracted right. clients. And I went from charging $500 a month to 5K for an eight week package. And someone signed up with that within like four or five days of doing the rebrand. And then more came after that. And I was like, oh my God, this is like voodoo or something. Like, how, <laughs> how, how can you go from one to the other? It was just like amazing, like a light switch went on. And you know, while I was doing that, I found myself talking in other people's Facebook groups, just joining in on threads where someone's like, I can't figure out my branding. I can't figure out this or that, or anyone got any advice on this. Mm -hmm. And I'd just you know, type advice back. I was interested. Um, sounds kind of arrogant, but I found that often my advice was more detailed than the group owner who just yep. be like you know, some high level thing. And I got to the point in mid 2018 where I was just like, well, why don't I start my own group? Um, then I can just say whatever I want. I'm not annoying the group owner by disagreeing with them or whatever. Not, right. you know, I, can, I can say whatever I want and nobody can kick me out apart from, right. apart from, apart from Zuckerberg. You know, he can kick me out, but he hasn't done yet. <laughs> um, and that's what I did. That, that group quickly grew to like 4,000 people. And that's what I do today. I, I help people uh, mainly get clients on Facebook by uh, posting on their own Facebook personal profile. They make a post on the profile. Um, aimed at their ideal target market and the other ideal target market is friends that speaks to those people yep. and those people are like hmm this sounds cool I might want a piece of this they end up in your messenger inbox and they're like hey Chris can you tell me more about your coaching services or can you, can you help me in some way and then you filter out the ones who aren't right for you and you convert the rest that's literally even today that's pretty much all <laughs> for a living it's kind of it's kind of it's very straightforward in terms of a method, but there's a lot of technicalities in terms of getting it right. Because obviously, yeah. I'm not the first person who ever thought of it. You know? <laughs> a lot of people doing it and not managing it so far. Right, right, dude. I, I love it. I love um, being straightforward and having things be simple. Right. It's like yeah, it's, it yeah. sounds simple enough, and then in the execution, like is in the details, is what really makes the difference and sets apart the, the successes from the failures. Mm. And and you know, people are spinning their wheels. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's about it's about the details. Like I said before, about how do you stand out from everyone else? Mm. Uh, if I give you an example, say when you when you scroll on your Facebook news feed and you see all these business coaches mm -hmm. who say things like, um, "You need to be authentic mm. if you want to be a success in business." Like I see that post like fifty times a day or something, and it's <laughs> it's the kind of stuff where I would classify it as being a very safe thing to post about because. Yeah. 
who's going to read that and like comment back and be like, no man, this is a load of crap. The answer is to be totally fake. But, you know, nobody's going to do that. Everyone's right. going to agree with you and be like, yeah, yeah, authenticity is right. But it doesn't really serve anyone. Everyone knows this. Yeah. Yet who's actually able to apply it? Whereas if you were able to come in at a deeper level and say, well, how do you know if you're being authentic? Everyone's trying to be authentic, Ooh. but how do you know if you're being authentic? Yeah. Like we've all got different sides to our personality and our character. Yep. You know, same like me, I'm sure you as well. You've got a loud side, you've got a yep. quiet side. You've got a confident side, maybe you've got a shy side. You've got all kinds, you know, you've got a side that wants to sleep all day, a side that wants to kind of like full of energy, whatever. <laughs> and all these kind of all these kind of different aspects of our personality are, yep. are mixing together. You know, you've got a side that wants to talk, a side that wants to listen. Well, which side is you? Well, it's all you, but you could depending on how you're feeling at two parts in a day, you could potentially write two completely contradictory posts. Yep. And which one of those is authentic? I've never seen anyone actually explain that in a way where I go, ah, right, that makes sense. I know what being authentic <laughs> now, is. Now I, I have ever, a, now I have a now, now I understand what yeah. Means. Not yeah. only do I understand what it means, I've got like a blueprint to right. actually make right. it happen. I can go through my old Facebook posts and go, ah, yeah, I wasn't really being authentic there. Wow. But instead, people just go, well, be authentic. Like, and I go, well, okay, <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do with it? And people just, just go for the high level, easy to access advice that anyone can give. Mm. They don't go for the more detailed stuff. And that's what, you know, anyone listening to this who wants their breakthrough, which obviously this is what the show's about, right? Yep. That's, that's, if I could give one piece of advice, it's get yourself to a position, if you're a coach or whatever you're doing, where you can explain these, um, these high level complex in a detailed way that's so easy a nine year old can understand it. Mm. But you get people commenting on your stuff saying things like, Oh man, wow! Uh, I've never heard it explained like that before. Mm. Or wow, that's, that's that's so interesting. I had never thought about it in that kind of way. And when you do that, you're going to be giving. That's 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 another concept that people always talk about: giving value. Yeah. That for what for me is what giving value is: mm. being able to give people insights that no one else has given them, rather mm. than just the same high-level gum for everyone else to do it. Like in fitness coaching, if you just say, "Eat less, move more." calories in calories out well that's easy you know you've got to be able to go to a like a greater level of detail why is it that everybody a more interesting question was why is it that everybody knows this stuff yet you know you you promised yourself that you would work out at nine o'clock this morning yet you're lying on the sofa or you're still lying in bed or you promised yourself you'd go after you'd go to a gym at like six o'clock after work uh, and instead you go home you have a beer and a bag of doritos well Mm -hmm. why is this happening you know you you want to do one thing yet you do the exact opposite thing that's hurting you yeah. and you know it's hurting you and you feel like crap when you sat on the sofa and you're beating yourself up mentally yet you continue now if you can answer that question i don't see many people talking about that or at least not in a way that's useful now you've got something valuable dude rich this is this is gold i really i really love the examples that you're giving as well because um we do have a lot of coaches and and people who want to mm. inspire and impact with our content i'm curious mm. with just using our personal profiles, you know, like it sounds like when people use the high level stuff that it, that everyone is saying it's safe and it doesn't polarize, it doesn't stand out, doesn't really um, get the result that we're wanting. Is there any other mistakes that you see people making when posting content, when trying to build their business using social yeah, media, loads. Facebook? <laughs> yeah, loads. It's lucky, it's lucky we've got an hour, to be honest. If people, <laughs> I mean... Everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are trying to build a businesses by posting organically. And not surprisingly, it's, you know, it's attractive because it's, it's free. Yeah. You know, I, I know people will argue, well, it's not free. You're spending your time and your right, time's right. worth money. But, you know, compared to actually spending money on ads, it's free. Right. But the problem with that is 
because there's such a low barrier to access it, everyone's trying to do it, which means your newsfeed gets saturated. You've got to stand out in some way. Uh, so it's like when I'm scrolling my newsfeed, even something simple, like taking the time to make sure the first sentence of your post mm. it makes me want to read the second sentence yep. is going to make yourself, your content stand out. So many people um, write posts where either the first sentence is self-obsessed, like, mm. um, you know, I I went to the gym today. Good for you. I don't I don't care. Carry on. No. So so I carry on scrolling. Um or or they'll say something where I already know the entire content of the post from what's in the first sentence. Wow. Like uh like an example, like uh you've got no like I've like example before about authenticity, but it might be a, a common one would be you've got to be the change you want to see in the world. Well if I see that in the first sentence, I know what the rest of the post it's gonna be like five hundred words of you know, you can't just sit at home complaining about stuff. You've got to get out there. You've right. got to, you know, be the kind of person that you want others to be. And you've got to kind of get out there and you've got to do the work on yourself. And mm -hmm. if you think this should be changed and you need to go out there and make it, it's like, I've read all this stuff before. I call it like entry level self-development that yeah. I thought was, I thought it was life changing when I was 22, but I'm right. 40 now, you know, it doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really hit home anymore. I'd like, okay, heard that, heard that 20 years ago, you know? Um, so it's about standing out from that, but also, you know, sometimes, Look at how much engagement you're getting. Making posts that uh, engage your audience, not just talking about yourself, but asking your audience questions that engage them because then you get more comments and reactions and stuff, which is good for social proof, but also the Facebook algorithm. The more, um, if we think about why, uh, why it's important, well, if I ask you, Chris, what do you think the goal of Facebook is as a company? To make money. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a trick question. It's to make money. Um, how do they make money? Um, monetizing people's attention, selling ads, uh, putting... right, sponsored ads, right? Yeah, exactly. So you scroll your newsfeed, and every like I don't know, like five posts or something, there's a sponsored ad. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes they'll charge money by you seeing that. Most of the time, it's if you click on the ad. Right. So how do they make money? It's if you if you're more likely to see an ad. Uh, as in, the more ads you see, the more money they make. Well, what determines? whether you're going to see more ads, it's spending more time on the platform. Yep. So Facebook goes, well, how do we know if someone's putting out good content that makes people spend more time on a platform? Well, they don't really know. So the only way they can do it is engagement. And by the way, I think that's why they added all the extra reactions in a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, like it used to just be the like thumbs up. Now you've right. got a ha ha, a heart and a mm -hmm. cry and all that kind of stuff. I think that's because now they can differentiate and say, oh, people love this post rather than yeah. just mindlessly hitting the like button. Yep. People found this post funny. So because if you think, if you take the time to go ha-ha or heart, right. you've had to actually go in through more, more effort. You've had to hold down on the like button <laughs> and scroll across and then click that. Rather than just be like, oh, like, whatever, not even thinking about it. You have to go, wow, I love that post. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. So Facebook go, okay, this is better content. It's wow. that Facebook's way of going, okay, this is another way of us saying whether this is better content or worse content. Wow. If a post has got 100 comments, Facebook goes, okay, people are engaging with this, mm. which means they're spending more time on Facebook, which means they're more likely to come back for more and see mm. more ads. Mm. So they reward accounts that have lots of engagement by giving them more reach. Yep. Reach being defined as how many people do I show your post to? Mm -hmm. Because if you've got 2,000 friends, Facebook doesn't show it to all 2,000 of them. Mm -hmm. It's a competition. It's the same as if we think of, like, if you do a Google search. If you do a Google search for... Um, 
sport, mm-hmm. well, you're not, Google's not going to show you every single page related to sport. It shows it in order of what it thinks is the best and most relevant to you. Yep. So it, Facebook works the same way. It shows you what it thinks are most relevant posts to you that you're going to like the most. And it does that um, firstly by your affinity with that person. So mm-hmm. if it knows you're married to that person, you get their post first. Yep. If it knows you're friends with that person, which means either you talk a lot with them on Messenger and or you comment a lot on each other's posts, then you get their post first. And then next, it shows you posts that have lots of comments, like here's a popular post that other people like, you'll mm-hmm. probably like it too. Yep. So if no, so in, in, so what I'm saying is uh, from, a, from a point of view of like, Facebook's kind of, I call it a quality score, which I know is a Google term, mm. but I think Facebook gives you two quality scores. One is the quality score regarding an individual post, mm-hmm. like oh, this post has got 100 comments, so I'll show it to lots of people. Mm-hmm. And then I think it gives you a quality score related to your overall account. Like this is an account that puts out good stuff in general. Wow. So instead of let's say you've got two thousand friends, we don't. I don't know how many people Facebook shows you post to. Well, let's say of two thousand people, it might show it to three hundred. Right. Well, a good account might get five hundred. A bad account might get one hundred. Just to throw some random numbers sure, out there. Sure. So obviously, you want your post to be seen by as many people as possible if you're trying to market there. Mm-hmm. So it's about going for engagement, putting that value out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing that people miss is credibility. Mm-hmm. So so many posts that I see, Chris, are just advice like mm. oh if you want to become enlightened you've got to do this if you want to have a better relationship with your partner if you want a better sex life you know here's a tip for you mm. and sometimes this stuff's good but i always read this and think well who are you like why are yeah. you why are you qualified to tell me this mm. um so it's important to share credibility stories of well you know, i helped a client and ideally the client that you talk about is as similar to your ideal client, yep. your potential idea client ideal client who's reading this as possible so, so the person reading is like, oh, he helped someone, you know, Chris helped someone just like me. And you take them through the story of a transformation that came to you in this state. Uh, they were, you know, they tried everything else before. They'd done all the other programs. Uh, like, you know, a story I tell is uh, my client Luana, who came to me, she, uh, she'd done all the other programs. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't some sales idiot. She'd done all the sales coaching before uh, and thought she was pretty good at sales. Yet she came to me and I helped her conversion go from 10% to 40% overnight because I sat down with her and said, okay, don't do this, 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 and this anymore. Do this instead. And then she did it overnight. And this was despite her being good at sales already, despite having done everything before. Now she's earning four times as much of the same amount of effort. That's what I would tell in a credibility story. Maybe if you can get a video of someone, a testimonial of them saying this or a text, uh, a screenshot on Messenger, that helps our credibility. Well, then people read that and go, people are in the same boat who are like, hmm, I'm only getting 10% conversion on my sales. I, I would quite like to get 40% as well. They then end up in my messenger inbox saying, I would like those results. But if you don't put the credibility out there, you're just some bloke who's, or some, some gal who's giving out advice. And it's like, well, who are you? So with, those with, are the main with, mistakes with, with you. With using our Facebook profiles, um, how, how important do you think, it sounds like copywriting, the first sentence, like knowing some level mm-hmm. of copywriting and like developing a mastery with that sounds like it would be really important because it's like we're communicating with our audience and what we communicate either has them buy mm-hmm. or want to reach out or not. How, how do you yeah. talk about copywriting? Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned it. I actually launched a a self-study copywriting course only two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> it's, it's super, it's super, and, and, and because it's super, super important, Chris, yes. I know that sounds like a shameless plug, but it's super, super important. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, unless you're running or planning to run some really big company where you're at the head of a company and you've got 
really talented copywriters who work for you, you pay them a lot of money, who do this stuff for you, then you can't really get away from it. Because I think most, of, I imagine most people listening to this are like, no, your your one man band type people. You know, the the single solopreneur yeah. who maybe contracts people here and there, but has their business is them, yeah. and they're posting about themselves on Facebook. And ultimately, you know, it's. I know we all like to be like, oh, I'm a, you know, I have abundant mentality. There's enough to go around, but it's a competition. Just like I said, you know, it's a competition to get to the top of the search results. Yeah. Um, it's not a search result, but when you go on the newsfeed, post one, post two, post three, mm-hmm. you want to be as close to post one as possible. And you do that with good copy that engages people and makes them want to read every word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not really any way around that. Is there, is there anything you'd recommend as far as other than the headline around copywriting that you've seen helps people's offers and information stand out um i mean to talk about how to write great copy is would be a lot longer than (laughs) in this hour (laughs) slot but um, there's a few things a few basic principles uh, um, i can give people the first thing is to use as few words as possible Mm -hmm. in order to get your message across but no fewer so obviously it still needs to make sense but uh, so many so many times when I read copy, it's like these long rambling sentences that go on forever that could be like half the length or less. And it's like the more words you make someone read, the less likely they are to read it. So you want to make it as tight as possible to start with. Be really harsh on yourself. Go through your copy and say, can I remove even one word from this? You know, mm. Can I make this sentence shorter? If you, make, if you remove one word from a sentence, it's not a big deal. But if you remove one word from every sentence, suddenly you've thinned it down quite a lot. You know, yeah. If you've got, say... You know, 50 sentences, that's 50 words less you've got, you've used. And it's quite, it actually makes a big difference in the size of your copy and whether someone's like to read it. Um, in terms of format of a post, if you go through the following format, you, know, you won't be too far wrong. If you start off with what I call, not necessarily in a, a headline, because that's more like traditional direct response copy with a sales page, but an attention grabber, something that grabs their attention and makes them go, what's that? So mm-hmm. if you use Open loops are great for this, you know, like an open loop where it's like you open up a question in the reader's mind where they're like, what's the answer to this? Mm-hmm. And then they can only close it by carrying on to read. So I started a piece with, this isn't very PC, but uh, I started off a piece a while ago. It was like, a, uh, I'll never forget the time the Korean midget punched me in the face in the middle of the bar. <laughs> it's like I defy anyone to read that and not want to read the next sentence because <laughs> it, it, it raises so many questions. It's like it's controversial. You want to know, well, what what did you do? Like, how did this happen? Why were you in a bar with a Korean midget? What happened next? You know, but these are questions that need answering. So you, yes. you're going to carry on reading. So yes. not everyone, not every, obviously, not every post is going to be super controversial like that. But how can you open up a loop? Like, um, you know, there's a way you can increase your email um, open rates instantly and it's something you've probably never heard before that's an open loop rather mm. than saying you can inc- no you could instead write you can increase your email open rights open rates by improving the subject line oh now i know that that's an example of now i know what the piece is about right. and i might carry on reading to see whether you've got some tips about the subject line but if you don't tell me what it is there's a way you can do this mm. there's a way you can get this result you want i'm gonna have to carry on reading to find out what it is and you just keep on reeling me in and then once i've read a few lines I've now invested more in your copy. Mm. I've invested more in a post. So I'm probably going to get to the end once I've read three or four lines because I'm like, I've invested and I want to get a payoff. Whereas most people read the first line, go boring and carry on scrolling. I actually did a study, um, uh, was it in, I think in about December last year, Mm. where I scrolled through 
my newsfeed and I made, I copied and pasted the, the first sentence of the first 20 posts I came across. Hmm. And there was one, maybe two of those posts where I actually read them where I was like, yeah, I would read the next sentence of this. Wow. The rest of them was super boring. You know, it's like, today I finished working for Christmas. Good for you. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> how does no? How does this benefit me? You know, right. one what? And you no, know, like to answer your question from before about from the mindset point of view of how to write copy, mm. your copy is not about you. Mm. It's about your audience. Yeah. So even if you're telling a story about yourself and some result you got and something that happened to you, you're telling it in such a way that it makes it relevant to me. Like I'm getting some benefit of hearing your story, not just mm. you bragging about how great you are. Um, so, but if you start off with an attention grabber that grabs the attention, makes you go, oh, what's that? I need to read on. Mm. Then you go into what's called a lead. So the lead is once you've got someone's attention, you've got to do something with it. Like if you go in the street and shout out, hey, free money, everyone's going to, make, everyone's going to be like, well, people are skeptical. Everyone's going to be like, oh, well, okay, what's this? But then if it turns out you've got no money there, they're going to walk off quickly. <laughs> kind of the same. A bit, a, you, clickbait's a good example of that. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll never guess what this student said next. And then you click it, and it's like really boring. Uh, there's a reason those there's a reason those headlines don't really exist anymore, so or not to the same degree that they used to. You know, um, what he said next will blow your mind, and then you read it, and it's like it definitely didn't blow my mind. It blew it blew my mind with how boring it was. Uh, you know, that's that's about it. Um, and but no, those headlines were all a rage in like 2015, but yeah. you don't see them so much now because people got wise to it and stopped clicking it. Mm. So you don't want to do that clickbaity type stuff, but you want to do it enough to draw someone in so they read the next line. Then you do what? Then you take their, their attention. You, basically, you're doing something with it. Mm. So that first line, there's a way that you can in, increase your email open rates by 53%. Mm. Um, and it's, and it's probably not something you've heard before. You see, it's not the usual stuff of, oh, just do a better subject line mm. or tease them or put uh, RE colon before your subject line to make it look like it's a reply, which I hate, <laughs> by the way. If, if you do that, please, <laughs> if you're someone who does that, please uh, please die right now. Or at least just stop with it. Because you know? <laughs> no, it's super, super annoying. It's like, yes, you fooled me into opening the message, but yeah. now I hate you forever. So <laughs> your, goal, your goal of building trust and getting me to spend money with you has not been realized. But you're like, yay, I've got 87% open rate. It's like, yeah, but how, much, <laughs> how much money did you make, idiot? You know? <laughs> um, you know, those kind of tricks just don't wash anymore. Um, but you, know, you, you go on to kind of explain it's not, it's, and the way it's not this and it's not that yeah. and you might have heard about this but it's not that and this doesn't work because of this so you've, I've still not told you what it is but I'm like, I've told you it's not this and it's not that mm. I'm going to reveal what it is it's this and here's how it works and here's how you can go about doing it and maybe you might turn it into a promo post where you're like okay DM me and you, know, you're, you, can sign, you can find out more and sign up here or you might make it a value post where you actually tell them how to do it mm. or you know, it might make it an engagement post where might tease them and say, I'm going to give the method tomorrow, but first, you know, what annoying email subject lines have you seen in the past? And the people's <laughs> going, oh, I hate that RE thing, you know, uh, I hate this, I hate that. That's going to get loads of comments. But yeah. you, the, the copy is like, you, you take the lead and you do something with it, and then you get to what I call the focal point, which is what's the point of your piece? Like, what are you trying to do with it? Are you trying mm-hmm. to move them into the point where they go, okay, yeah, I see, I would like to know what the answer is here. Oh, I see. I've got a problem with this subject. You know, mm-hmm. uh, now I really now I realize from what you said that I've got a problem with my relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you might start your piece with if if when if when you come in from work, you or if when your husband walks through the door from work, you ask him about his day and 
he grunts in response and just looks at his phone, this is often a very bad sign. And then you go on to explain why it's such a bad sign and what this means instead. So that could take someone who didn't know they had a problem. Right. And that like a wife who's like, okay, this is a bit annoying. Like, why is he not paying attention? Make him realize what the problem is and then take him to the point where you go, okay, now I say I've got a problem. Yeah. What do I do about it? Then you can introduce your solution. You can introduce, okay, here's, uh, you might say, you know, buy my program. Or you might say, here's something you can say instead to get his attention. Mm. Um, and then you get to the point. And the fourth bit is optional, which is a call to action. So I don't have many calls to action on Facebook because I don't want to annoy my audience by constantly pitching. Mm. Plus, it's against Facebook terms of service anyway to uh, promote your business from a personal account. So I'm mm. really careful with that. I don't have many, loads of calls to action. Where I'm like, hey, DM me. Go and buy this. Mm. I'm generally just putting out value, showing results of our people, knowing that people will see that and be like, oh, that sounds good. And then they'll come to me off their own kind of accord. Okay. Uh, but, but, you know, now and again, you'll have a call to action. And that call to action might be like, oh, let me know in the comments below what you think of it. Or let me know in the comments below if you've ever experienced something like this. Mm. Uh, and that's basically it. You can pretty much go through that format for wow. any sales piece, anything, any piece of copy, any post you want to write. Attention grabber, lead, focal point, optional call to action. Literally, if you go through that, make it all about your audience, go, okay, how can I say something that's not being said all the time? You've pretty much got a decent post there. Dude, I love it. I love it. Rich, this is gold, man. Um, I want to talk about Magic Sauce and how you sure. came up with the name because I think it's it's just awesome, man. And and how do people discover their own Magic Sauce? Um, well, the Magic Sauce, honestly, I'd like to say that there was some amazing thing that happened. <laughs> but literally, I was, I was like... I was just sat like one Wednesday morning thinking I'll start a Facebook. You know why not start? I literally went through that process I talked to you before about. I'm, I'm so sick of being in those, these other Facebook groups and getting kicked out or, you know, uh, the owner jumping all over me because I gave advice that I know is actually good. Uh, mm -hmm. Why not just start my own group? So I started my own group and I'm like, oh, ben, ben, like so hit, I literally was on Facebook, hit create group. Then it came up with like, what's the name of your group? And I'm like, oh, damn it, I need a name. Um, well, what do I help people with? Well, I'm quite good at helping them figure out like what their what their unique thing is. And I can't call it the unique thing. How about the magic sauce? And I was like, magic sauce. The magic sauce. Well, I can't. Then I put the magic sauce. Well, I can't just say the magic sauce because people's going to think it's like ketchup or something like that, or <laughs> three, you know, three ratchet or something like that. They're going to think it's like ch a hot chili sauce or whatever. So I need to know. I need to make people know this for. Oh, well, for online marketers. Oh, yeah. the magic sauce for online marketers. And literally, that was a thought process. It was ten seconds long. There wasn't a lot in, that went into it. <laughs> but in terms of how a person finds their own source. Well, um, I mean, I do have a video on my website that people can watch for free if they just go to the homepage where it's like, it goes into this in detail. And like, it's like a 20 minute video. So it's obviously, it's difficult to, on a high level, say how a specific person would do it. But mm -hmm. for me, it's the intersection. If you're a nerd like me and you like Venn diagrams, mm -hmm. it's the intersection of number one, what are you good at? I'm like, try and draw this on the screen, which is obviously you know, <laughs> not, not the best diagram you've ever seen, but not the best infographic ever. What you're good at yep. mixed with um, what, you, um, what you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. you know, people forget about that circle. A lot of times people are so keen to escape the rat race and the day job and the cubicle and all that stuff. They're like, well, they end up trading one job they hate for another job they hate, which is working for themselves, except they work twice as many hours and earn less money. And it's yeah. like, this is what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. um, then the third one, again, which is overlooked by a lot of people, is what the audience will pay for. Mm. So, uh, example, one, one thing, you know, people always, coaches always go on about pain points, don't they? Yeah. 
like, oh, you've got to hit pain points. You know, people won't buy if you don't have pain points, which is something I don't agree with. There's some truth in it, but I don't fully agree with it. But what you see is like people who coach on, say, anxiety. I can help you get over anxiety and depression. And they're like, oh, what's the pain point? Oh, you're stuck in bed. You know, you can't get out of bed. You're anxious. You can't even go to a shop to get a pint of milk because you're so anxious. Mm. Um, no, so they'll say, if you're in a position where you're so anxious that you can't even leave the house to go and get a pint of milk, this is a serious problem. Mm. You're, you know, um, you can't even do stuff. And it's like, yeah, yes, you're real people in with that. But the problem is those people don't tend to have money. Mm. Because, you know, it's not, and it, obviously, if someone's watching this and is in this position, I'm not having a go at people with anxiety, you know, right. and I've got a lot of friends and people and family who have anxiety, but and it's obviously there's different levels of anxiety, but those people don't tend to be high achievers in life because mm. if going to the shop to get a pint of milk is such a big deal for you, you're not going to be like the boss of the boardroom <laughs> making, you know, making like 100K plus a year in your day job, are you? You're not, you're probably not going to have a job. You're going to be on some sort of benefit. So unless you actually already have money that you've inherited or your mm. family has money, it's going to be a hard sell to these people. And what that's what I tend to find when I speak to these anxiety coaches. They're like, I get so many people on a call, but I can't close any of them. None of them got money. What am I doing wrong? I'm like, well, what if you switched your audience to people who are in jobs mm. but have a constant anxiety, um, like imposter syndrome and anxiety about their own performance? Like I've got a friend of mine, his ex-girlfriend was like that. She's like, you know, she works in sales and she's a workaholic because um, apparently it stems back from when she was younger. Like her dad left when, like just walked out when she was like a kid. And she was raised by her mother just to believe that, look, based on what your dad did, you can't rely on any man. You know, you can't rely on anything in this world. You're going to have to make it all yourself. Um, you can't rely on anyone else because then they can take it away from you. So she's got this constant fear that it's like deep down, it's going to be taken away from her. And she works all the time. And she's always worried that like, if she's not working like 24 hours a day, if she's not like the top salesperson in the company, that she's going to lose it all. Well, that causes her to be a high achiever rather than someone who can't leave a house. But mm. it's still an issue. It's still, it's still ruining her life because she's living a life of anxiety. But it's a higher... It's you know, people who are earning money still have problems, but they have different problems. Yeah. Well, if you speak to those people in the situation they're in, now you've got a mixture of, well, you're good at solving their problem. You Hopefully, you like working with these people and you get the result from them. You enjoy it and they will pay for it. They've got mm. the money. Now you've got something that can form a business. So that's that's how you find your magic source. Well, what do I like doing? What do I help? What do what kind of things do I get results in? Mm-hmm. So, um, And if you're one of these people who's like, well, you know, I help people become more confident. Uh, that could be anyone from 18 to 80. It could be a man, a woman in any demographic. Well, have a think about some of the people you've worked with in the past. And if you've not had proper clients before, Presumably you've had friends or family or people you've helped get a result. Like how have you got yourself to the point where you go, I can teach this. Mm. You must have got results for someone. What kind of people did you get the best results for? What kind of people were the most fun to work with? Yeah. What kind of people did you give the advice to? And they applied it straight away and came back to you like an hour later. And like, oh my God, I did that confidence exercise and I absolutely smashed it in my meeting. As opposed to the people where you had to like beat them with a stick every step of the way to do anything. <laughs> Like a jockey on the horse, you know. You know what kind of people were did you enjoy working with? Aim at those people. Mm. Aim to go for those people and talk to the problems that they have, yeah. because it's going to make it a lot easier. If you have had clients before, what kind of clients did you have? Not only where you got the best results, where they turned up, they paid immediately. You know, let's mm. say you had a sales call with them. You said, "All right, yeah, I'll pay that invoice straight away." Yep. And two minutes later, you had a ding on your phone saying, "You know, five k, ten k, or whatever. You know, whatever. Even if it was a hundred dollars, they paid it straight away." Yeah. You weren't going back to them a day later saying, 
oh, um, I noticed you didn't pay. Was there a problem? They're like, oh, yeah, sorry. I got a bit busy. It's a bit of stupid excuses. And then you have to coax them into pay. You don't want those kind of people. You want the ones who pay straight away, the ones who do all the homework, the ones who are a dream to work with, the kind of people you'd sit down with in the pub and have a drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, talking back to the golden old days where we actually were able to leave the house. But, you know, <laughs> Uh, imagining a day in future where you could sit in a pub and have a drink with someone. Um, you know, the kind of person you would sit down one-on-one and happily have a drink with and not talk about business, but just sit down with them as a person. What kind of people have fit that category for you? Aim at those people. Um, and, you know, you'll you'll have a pretty good business. You'll attract people who are just like you, who like you, mm. who want to pay, are easy clients, don't give you any crap. And get the results and then give you great testimonials at the end because they get, because they got the results. You know, it's not, um, we don't need to live in scarcity of going, well, I could help all these people. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to exclude these, uh, these people who are really horrible people who I can't stand, who might want to pay me. It's like, no, you do want to exclude them. <laughs> it's just like, like this fear of missing out on a client, you know, yeah. so I need to appeal to everyone. Yeah. I love it. Um, I want to talk about, 10xing uh, the the rates that we charge like what does it take to be able to command those kinds of fees um well i'll t- i'll tell the story of the photographer who you mentioned in the first place so his um his name is james and he lives in new zealand and what he does is he's a wedding photographer but he specializes in pre-wedding shoots so i didn't even know this was a thing before it came to me but apparently a pre-wedding shoot is um you in this case he's uh he's a Kiwi Asian. So I think he's like like half Japanese, half New Zealand or something. Right. Um, so these Asian couples fly over to Queenstown where he lives in New Zealand, like some six months before the wedding, and they hire, they rent out a tux and a wedding dress, and he'll take them up in a helicopter up a mountain and take all these like really fancy photos of scenery and stuff. Um, then they'll go home again. They'll get married in Tokyo or Korea or wherever, but they've got these amazing photos of a mountain from six months ago that form part of their collection. So I said to him, well, you know, in any market, James, you've got what I call the Valentino shoppers, mm-hmm. and you've got, well, to use a US um, analogy, the Walmart shoppers, the mm-hmm. ones who want the cheapest ones. And then you've got the ones in between. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what an in-between US department store would be. What would you, what would you say for that? I don't know. Uh, Coles, Coles is Coles, one yeah, okay, yeah. Coles is the one, yeah. So like you've got, you know, most of, most of the market are Coles or Walmart shoppers, but then you have the ones at the very top end. There's not many of them, mm-hmm. but those people, um, they're kind of like the flip side of the ones that are the Walmart shoppers. Both of them are price shoppers, but the opposite side of it. So they're, you know, the ones at the top end of the food chain are looking for the most expensive one. So I literally said to him, look, these people are flying in from Asia, especially to have like a week in New Zealand and have a, have a shoot. They're obviously not short of money. Right. So you're charging $1,500 a day, which sounds like a lot. But I said, well, what is the most expensive person in your town charging? And he said, 10 grand a day. I go, okay. What is this person doing that you're not? He goes, well, you know, I don't think his photos are any better than mine, but he's got a more expensive drone that he uses and gets like some fancier shots on there and like better videos and stuff. But, you know, in terms of his actual pictures, they're not really any better. And obviously, a lot of people are kind of biased and think their stuff's great. But I've seen his pictures in advance. They're absolutely brilliant. You know, they are amazing. So, you know, you, a bit like I said before, your stuff does need to be good if you're going to want to charge these premium yes, prices. Yes. But a lot of it, once you've, once, let's say you're a photographer, a lot of it's about perception. If you take really good photos and you know what to do, 
It's about perception. If you're charging $500 a day and someone else is charging 10K, the perception is that the 10K photos must be a lot better. Yeah. And because you pay that much, these photos are better. Yeah. Um, so I said, right, I've got a solution for you, but it's going to require some brass balls. It's going to require you to get out of your comfort zone. He's like, go on then. <laughs> I said, I want you to create a sales page. I want From now on, I want you to charge 15000 a day rather than 1500 and I want you to create a sales page. Well, I wrote the sales page for him, and it started off with this. I am the most expensive wedding photographer in Queenstown, New Zealand. Yes. And there's a very good reason for that, dot, dot, dot. Mm. So, you know, start that curiosity, like I said, about the headline. You're like, mm. okay, so this guy is not only the most expensive, he is openly brazenly saying that he's the most expensive and he says there's a good reason for it you kind of want to read on to find out what the reason is even if you're skeptical you're going to go you want to read on to go well what is this and then he went on to explain about well why he's the best photographer he shows the pictures shows how he specializes in asian couples so that helps get that side of the market rather than some other guy who doesn't um and now that was what january i think last year and um since then he's been absolutely booked out and raised his prices to 20k a day obviously now it's just as well he did because obviously when coronavirus hit, suddenly he's like cancelled for the next six months instead right. of being booked up because now no one's flying there anymore. So it's lucky he's got all that money put away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the moral of the story is I don't want someone to be listening to that story and be like, well, that's cool, Richard, but I'm not a wedding photographer. I can't do that. <laughs> every every market has it. It's, you know, one, 5% of people, whatever it is, that want that high price where, you know, these women who go into the shoe store and they look at the prices of a pair of shoes, and they're like, "Oh, um, Jimmy Choo's for three grand. Oh wait, these are. You know, oh wait, these Valentinos are four grand. I'll get the four grand shoes." And then, uh, because it allows you, it does something that I call appealing to ego. Mm-hmm. It allows you to tell yourself as it allows you to tell yourself and other people a story about the person you are. Yeah. So these 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 Japanese couples that were coming over. Uh, were able to then tell the story to themselves and their family when they got home. Oh yeah, yeah, we booked the most. We booked the most expensive wedding photographer in Queenstown because you know it's our wedding day. You only get one chance of this, and we think you know it's worth doing properly. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Yep. We could have gone for the cheaper option, but we want to do it properly because that's how we do things. Mm-hmm. They get to tell that story, and there's like the ego, and and they get. To, it's a bit like when you go in the department store and you, you've got the you know, the expensive bags like uh, what like the valentino bags and the gucci bags and all that stuff and then you know what 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 are the people who bought this stuff do they go out to lunch in a fancy place yeah. and they put all the bags down on the table next to them as if to say i can afford this stuff even in a recession yeah. you know even in the coronavirus recession look i've just spent five grand here because i can yeah. it's like a it's a state it's a status symbol yeah. um so what I'm, what i said to him is like your current price at 1500 you you cutting out most of the ones the Valentino shoppers because you're not a status symbol mm-hmm. and they're going to look at you and be like well he must be nearly ten times worse than the ten grand guy and you're cutting out the the Walmart shoppers who are go for the guy <laughs> at five hundred dollars so basically you're appealing to nobody or wow. you're in that dogfight and the kind of like the middle ground the coal yeah. shoppers you're in that dogfight where it's kind of difficult to figure out what the value is. Like they'll pay it. They don't want the cheapest guy who has obviously like great, like worse photos that are all grainy and blurry. <laughs> and it's like, look like it was taken on an iPhone, you know? <laughs> uh, 
but they want something that looks decent. But they're like, well, do I go for this one or this one? It's like yeah. 1500. Oh, could you knock anything off at 1500? Mm. You know, can you get it down? And they're haggling you down to 1200 instead. And oh, oh, there's a guy here that says he can do 1100, you know, and he's also thrown in a helicopter ride. Do you think you could do that? And he's like, oh, go on, man. You <laughs> Those are the kind of customers he was attracting. The kind of right, the, yeah. the people who've got a little bit of money, but not that much, and they want to haggle everything. Yeah. And generally, those customers will make your life miserable. Honestly, yeah, yeah, man. So I hear it's like really knowing what sets us apart from everyone else and being proud of that, putting that that thing up there first is like the thing that, that differentiates us. And, and for something yeah, like yeah. price, I think a lot of people avoid talking about the price because they're afraid if they you know are, are upfront, if someone sees the price, then they'll get scared away. But using that, that differentiator and saying, I'm just going to tell you right here, right now, I'm the most expensive, you know, for this particular example. But um, there's different people have different qualities that they can put up at the top that some people might think are are you know repulsive but for the right people for their perfect people are actually the most magnetic and the most like mm. connecting mm. well absolutely if you think of the kind of people that would see james's sales page i don't know what the percentage is 95 percent, 99 percent. i don't know but it's going to be a high percentage of people that see that and go click on the big x yeah i'm not looking at this page ever again it's like this is not for me you just filtered out yes. a bunch of clients a bunch of people who either would have haggled the hell out of you or wouldn't have paid anyway yeah. um so you've just got rid of them and then if someone carries it's like um what's the word it's like it's like um like a, I, don't, I can't think of what word. It's like a, like a tacit deal almost like a mm. if someone if someone reads that first bit and carries on scrolling and they're not just doing it out of pure curiosity. Right. They read that and go, okay, I want to hear more. If they carry on scrolling, you've got the price thing out of the way. Uh, like one thing I do is um, I don't tend to work with brand new online marketers. I do make exceptions um, for the kind of people, basically for people I like who I think are, who are smart, who can learn fast. Yep. But generally I don't work with new people because they've got too much to learn. Um, I don't want to be teaching someone what an autoresponder is and all that kind of stuff. I want someone who's actually already has some sort of offer and is making sales but wants to make more of them because I can get quicker results with them. And yeah. they generally they implement faster. They don't have as many mindset issues and they mm -hmm. just get on with it. Mm -hmm. um, but So when I get someone in who's like, I don't have an offer and I've not sold anything, but this is what I've done in the past, mm. I normally say to them up front, um, Look, I need to be really straight with you. I don't tend to take on people who are brand new for the reasons that I just stated to you. Uh, I want to be really honest, you know, um, if I was to enroll you in my program, we need to have a call first to find out that this is going to work for you, not just from a strategy point of view, but to make sure you can implement because a lot of new people, they kind of fall apart mentally at the first hurdle. And mm -hmm. I don't want you to invest a lot of money in me and then it doesn't work. And obviously you're going to blame me. I don't need that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so no, I need to warn you, the price of my program is six and a half thousand dollars, or you can pay in three payments of 2250. Um, no, if that's something that's okay for you, and you're like, okay, you know, if it works for me, then yes, I could work with that. Then we can have a conversation about this and see whether it's right for you. But if it's not, then I suggest you go somewhere else first, maybe to a cheaper coach, get yourself some sales, get yourself some sort of offer going. And then once you've got some income coming in, you can use that to invest in me. And what I find is that most new people say no. But now and again, maybe one in 10, maybe two in 10 of those new people say, 
No, no, that makes sense. And I appreciate you being upfront about it. Uh, no, I've got the money to invest. I've got a day job. I've got the money to invest if I want, but it needs to be the right thing. I'm like, all right, let's have a call about it. And it's a bit like that sales page. It's the same thing again. Yeah. You know, I'm the most expensive person here, or you know, this is how much my price is. It's expensive. It might not be for you, but if it is, let's talk. Yeah. It gets that thing out of the way. So I'm not anxious on a sales call, speaking for like 45 minutes about my thing. And then, <laughs> and then, then I give my offer and I'm waiting for that question where they're like, so uh, how much is it? And I'm like, mm. like, that, like most people are on sales calls. I don't have that problem. Part of the reason I think I worked out recently, I converted like the last, God knows how many sales calls, I'm converting at like 83%. Mm. Not necessarily because I'm like super master salesman who could sell ice to Eskimos, you know, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good, but I don't, you know, I don't, I just don't get the wrong people on a call yeah. generally. Yeah. Um, and the call is never about let me sell you my thing. It's about let's find out if you're right for it. Okay, here's what's in my program. Shall we sign up now? And because they've, and a part, part of that is because they've generally seen a lot of content. They've seen like anywhere yeah. between one month and one year's content of me. So yeah. they've built up that trust. They feel like they know me already. It's not like they saw an advert for me yesterday and they booked a call with me today. And now I'm trying to get them into a 10K program, which is, it's possible, but it's difficult. Mm. Dude, I love that. And I think that's something to remember as service providers, people building online brands and content. Um, when I'm when I'm creating it to remember, hey, some some of these people have been with me for years, seeing mm. the stuff that I've mm. been posting. They've seen my growth. They've seen my evolution. I have invested tons of time and energy, you know, depending on where people are in their journey, but I've invested tons of time and energy into educating them, inspiring them. Like I deserve to like have people who are who are ready to go, who are ready to pop, who are ready to sign up because I've put in mm. so much like love and contribution to help them grow. Absolutely. Well, you read out a, a comment before from, I can't remember, was it from iTunes? Where, I can't remember the person's name, but they basically said, you know, oh, I love the energy you put in here, Chris, and so much value already, and thanks so much for this, and it's fantastic, and you're giving us so much great stuff. Well, if that person one day gets on a call with you um, to sign up with coaching or whatever, you know, whatever, you're, whatever they want to buy from you, that is, is basically, you're not having to sell them. The call is all about logistics. It's now, that's what I find most of my calls are about. I'm not having to sell them, like give them the hard sell of my program. It's about logistics, as in how much, how much if they don't know the price already, which they normally do, um, then how much time do I need from them? How long does it take? Um, does their skill set allow it? Are they going to be able to stick with it? That kind of stuff. It's about, you know, how much, how much effort, but they're asking questions like, how much effort do you need from me? How many hours a day? That kind of stuff. Can I make this work? It's not a question of, well, um, I don't know. You know, why should I sign up with you? I'm not sure. It seems expensive. Or, you know, but those those annoying things that people do on sales right. calls, like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what, Chris? This sounds really great, but I've got a, uh, I've got 15 calls lined up with your competitors next week. So uh, let me speak to all of those people and circle back with you afterwards. And you're just like, are you for real? You know, you don't tend to get that kind of stuff, or at least not as much, anyway. <laughs> Qualification, I think that's. That's so important. Mm. And I, mm. in the beginning of building an online business, like you're saying, it, it's, it can be more difficult to work with those people because they want, they're like desperate to attract anyone. They just want to make sales, you know? And, and after we built up a track record, then it's like, okay, how can we qualify people before I waste any more time with them? How can we, you know, let them know mm. upfront, here's, here are the requirements, here's what's expected of you. Are you still willing to jump on a call and see if it's a right fit? You know, I think mm. that's, that's really powerful, man. Yeah, I mean, part, part of the way we do this um, is I qualify people out with my content, uh, not by saying, you know, if you're this kind of person, don't apply or whatever, right. but, but it's more like um, I, you know, but going back to copywriting again, one thing that 
uh, to keep in mind, specificity is always better than vagueness. So if you if you say things like, oh, I help you become more enlightened and happy and have a better life, mm. that's really vague stuff that no one can grab hold of. Whereas, uh, like, no, like saying, I help you have a better relationship and mm. I can help you have a better relationship, DM me for more info. No one really grabs hold of that because what does a better relationship mean anyway? It's not really something that you're bothered about. But like the specific example I gave before mm. about, you know, if your husband comes in from his job and... Uh, you're trying to talk to him about your day and he's not interested and just talks to you, whistles on about his day the whole time. Mm -hmm. This means this. Well, that's a specific situation that someone's ideal target market is experiencing. And when they read that, they're like, that's exactly what's happening to me. Uh, another example, a fitness coach of mine, uh, or fitness coach, uh, it was a client of mine, was just aiming at women generally who wanted to lose weight. Well, when you think of demographic of society, most people are like down here with no money. Then, and there's more people here sort of in the middle and there's very few people who've got money. Yeah. So when you just general people who want to lose weight, most of them are going to be down here with no money who are going to read your stuff just by pure probability. Right. Again, it's not a value judgment. It's just a situation. You don't yeah. want the people with no money. It's not that they're not worthy of help. It's just you can't build a business on it. Yeah. Um, by all means, sign up the top people who've got all the money and help these people out of charity if you want, yeah. if you feel bad yeah. about it. But you still need to build a business yeah. and find out where the money is. So I said to him, Instead of aiming and saying, oh, I can help you lose weight, if you're a woman trying to lose weight, uh, why not aim at specific scenarios that people with money are experiencing? Like I said before, mm -hmm. people with money have problems. They're just different problems. Yeah. So what about the female executive? Let's say she's in her 40s. and She's working away a lot. You know, she's like you know, senior IT manager in some corporation. She's working away all the time. And she's got a corporate credit card and she's staying in a hotel. The hotel, if it has gym facilities, is like, like most hotels, they call it a gym and you go in there and it's like a <laughs> treadmill and a bike yeah. and maybe some like, you know, token, token dumbbells, you know, that's, that's all you get. So you can't do a lot in there, but the hotel gets to say, Hey, we got a gym. Yeah. Um, and you know, most times when she's working away, she's working maybe to like seven, eight o'clock at night. She goes back to the hotel room. She's tired and she's meeting her colleagues for dinner half an hour later. So even if she had a great gym, she's not going to get in a great workout. How can she get in shape? Because uh, mm. she's going out. It's not a question of money. She's got a corporate credit card, but she's you know, she's not going to be making her own food. She hasn't got cooking facilities. She hasn't got a gym. She's going to the restaurant. She's like, I'll have the creamy bowl of pasta with the garlic bread. And since I've had that, well, I guess I might as well have a tiramisu as well. And uh, oh well, you know, I get I get an allowance of a couple of glasses of wine a night, and I'm working away, so I might as well enjoy myself a little bit. Yeah. And on one night, it doesn't matter. But you do that four nights a week working away, and it adds up. And suddenly, she's been doing this for a few years. She's now got you know fifty pounds to lose. And she's like looking at the dress she wore when she was 25 and people were checking her out. And, uh, and she, back then she used to be like, oh, these awful men checking me out. But now she's like, mm, I wouldn't mind a few awful men checking me out these days because it's not <laughs> happening in a while. Um, these, these are the kind of things that a specific person is experiencing who has money, which is a problem. Mm. And what you'll find is you're the, the woman who's at home who is on benefits, who doesn't have a job. Again, not a value judgment of people on benefits, but the person on benefits who hasn't done a job is not going to identify with a situation where you're working away all the time, you've got your corporate card, and how do you go to the restaurant and choose the right food without ordering a rabbit food salad every night and just being like, this is so miserable. These are, these are, these are things that many women are experiencing, obviously not right now because everyone's working at home. But again, people are working at home right now who... Um, you know, you're a fitness coach. People are at home right now who are used to going to a gym every night. Mm. They've got problems. They're like, yep. how do I, how do I do a decent workout at home when I've got no equipment? Yep. You could even go as far as to say, here's the equipment I recommend. Mm. 
and sell it as an affiliate and say, look, I recommend this. You know, if you, I recommend these resistance bands or these dumbbells. You can get them from home, and they're not going to cost you a fortune, but you can use these. Mm. And oh, by the way, I sell a workout that goes alongside these. You can use these. You'll stay in shape over the next twelve weeks when we're all locked in. Now you've got a couple of things you're selling that is a relevant problem to what people with money are experiencing right now. Dude, Richard, this is this is gold, man. I know we've only scratched the surface. I want to tell our audience how they can connect with you, how they can join your group. Tell them more, man. Sure. So a couple of options. If you're on Facebook, and I guess uh, I guess if they're not on Facebook, they probably stopped listening a while ago since we've been talking <laughs> about Facebook constantly. But if you're on that, you can join my group. It's called The Magic Source for Online Marketing. So just search for it. You'll find it easy enough. Uh, obviously, search my name if you want to follow my content and see actually what I'm putting out there. Um, and if you want to find out more about The Magic Source and go, well, uh, like you said before, Chris, well, how can a person get their own magic source? How can they figure it out for their specific business? Well, I go into that um, actual subject in detail in a 20-minute video. I think it's 22 minutes. Um, if you go to my homepage, Magic Source Marketing, you can watch the video on there. So anyone who wants to do that can go and do that right now. Gold. I love it. Richard Fletcher, you are a freaking champion, man. Thank you so much for the great conversation, copywriting, going super deep into that. And also, like, how do we filter and qualify people like well before they jump mm. on a call and like waste our time and, and do it in our marketing, do it in our messaging, do it like as who we're being as a business and communicating that out mm. to the world, man. Mm. This is this is gold and uh, I super appreciate you. Everyone go to magicsaucemarketing.com or search uh, Magic Sauce for Online Marketers. I believe it's, it's online marketers. Is that who it is? Uh, it was online marketing, but it's, I think if you if you type in online marketing, it'll come up. I cool, won't, I won't cool. Worry too awesome. Much. So check it out, um, people. And Richard, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Appreciate it. Sweet brother. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah. Okay. See you later. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self? Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.EmployeeEscapePlan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com, and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow, and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself create your reality and make every day your best day ever <laughs>